From Data Rails, this is FPNA Today. Hello, this is Paul Barnhurst, aka the FPNA Guy. And today I'm bringing you a special episode of FPNA Today. I'm at the AFP 2022 conference in Philadelphia. It's a three-day conference for both Treasury and FPNA professionals. And yesterday was day one. It's the morning of day two, and I'm getting ready to head back over to the conference. I just wanted to highlight a few of the things from today and yesterday. We'll be interviewing some different guests. Going to have on Brian Lapidus, Christian Wittig, hope and have on Carl Seidman, Chris Ortega, and other FPNA professionals. So yesterday, I had the opportunity to speak with uh, Christian Wittig. We talked about building trust and how that enables business partnering. We shared the stage together and talked about 120 FPNA professionals about the importance of trust, building relationships, and how trust allows you to really partner with the business. How if you don't have trust, you can't accomplish all the things we want to accomplish with as FPNA professionals, we can't have our seat at the table. We're unable to really create the value that we need to as FPNA professionals. And so it was a great opportunity to talk on a really important subject, AFP, a great conference for FPNA professionals. If you've never attended, highly encourage you to do it. Next year we'll be in San Diego. And so who doesn't want to be in beautiful San Diego in the fall? So you should consider it. Okay, until later, I'm going to go ahead and check off, but just wanted to get started on this special podcast episode for all of you. Ready? I'm here with Brian Lapidus from AFP. We're just wrapping up the conference now. And Brian, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about the conference? You know, who comes, how you kind of put these things together. Just tell us a little bit about the conference. Sure. So uh, so we're here. We, we just wrapped up. So it's uh, at the end of four days. So I might sound a little bit hoarse from, uh, from talking, <laughs> from shouting, clapping, maybe a little too much fun at the party on the opening night. But yeah, I mean, the, the conference itself, we really try to cover the breadth of finance, treasury, payments, capital markets. And we have six large scale tracks, which leads to more than 100 educational sessions. Plus, we've got the keynotes, plus we've got the Executive Institute, plus we've got 200, more than 200 vendors mm -hmm. on, the, on the floor. You can meet whatever, interact with whatever company you want. And I don't want to forget this. We have a puppy park. Yes, I did notice the puppy park. I didn't go over, but I noticed a bunch of people there. That's part of the life hacks about stress management and relaxing. And I mean, really, I mean, puppies. Did I'll leave you go, it, I'll leave did it there. Did you go to the puppy park? I did not. Uh, usually when I'm at conference, I am running around um, from dawn till dusk. And it's, I mean, it's great. This is, this is our Super Bowl, right? Yep. This is a chance for us to meet with members, people we've talked to all year, the speakers, like real experts with deep knowledge and a, a real desire to, to give learning back to everybody. So it's meeting people, it's uh, speaking, running round tables. Uh, so I did not have a chance to visit the puppy park. I figured you probably didn't. I figured you were a little busy, but I had to ask. 
I, I yeah, appreciate. You might have been a little stressed throughout the event. I appreciate you thinking about me. You're you're that kind of guy. I like yeah, that. E- exactly. What can I say? No. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe can you talk a little bit, particularly the FPNA track, some of the speakers you had, or kind of the events? Like what what kind of topics or subjects did you guys cover? Yeah. Well, let me back up. I'll, I'll explain how we came up with the track, which will fill in the blanks of the okay. kind of topics. Perfect. So we have a call for proposals. The next one opens up in uh, mid-November. And so we solicit the universe of finance to submit to us. And the, call, the window for proposals is open through the end of February. And then uh, a task force, so we'll have an F- FP&A planning task force, will review all the submissions. And then there's really a grid that we try to fill out. Uh, and you could think about it as on one, on one part of the grid, because we're finance, right? We love a good matrix. <laughs> so on one part of the matrix, we look for things that fill into the core skill areas that it takes to be great. Uh, and we've defined this as in our, it's really taken right from our FP&A maturity model. Finance and business acumen. You have to know the business and you have to know finance and you have to be good at both. So we try to put things in that track. The second is technology and data. It's the tools, it's, it's the raw materials that we use to create our magic. And the third area is personal and team effectiveness. So that's mindset, communications, business partnering. And it's also really kind of how are you, how are you keeping your FP&A organization top notch? So how do you manage your, your team? So that's one side of the matrix. And then on the other side, we try to make sure that we have things that fit the wide variety of our audience. Because we have beginning an- we have college students, beginning analysts, we have CFOs, we have you know, leaders of large companies, right? We you know, $300 billion companies and $30 million companies, right? We have a huge range. So, and also, and people at different stages of their career. So the matrix is those three areas that I mentioned from the maturity model set against uh, tactical, right? Very mm-hmm. things that are very tactical about what you want to do, how you want to deliver, and strategic. You could almost think of that as senior level, but it's really how do you think about the business? And then we also think about mind shift, so next generation. Got it. No, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that. What would you say to anyone who's considering coming to this conference? You know, what advice would you offer to them? Do it. That's what I figured you would say. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add? Why should they do it? So all of the right it, it's a little it's a little overwhelming at first because there is so much mm-hmm. so i would say know what it is that you want to get from the conference and uh actually some, somebody balanced it out really really nicely he said two-thirds i want to be better at what i do and one-third he wants to explore something that he doesn't even know right just truly expansive and so come here and take one of the, the sessions in capital markets take something in the career development track, right? So whatever your plan is, figure out what you want to get out of it to make sure, because like I said, it is overwhelming. And also invest in the networking. And we, we try, we do our best. It's mm-hmm. a lot of people here, but we have you know, several round tables offered on different days. We have a happy hour. We try to create opportunities for people to meet. And you know, this is, people often come, especially FP&A people come here and you know, maybe they'll come to the hub and the feeling is often, I found my tribe, right? I, you know, I talk to people, you know, the accounts don't know what FP&A is, my business partner doesn't know what FP&A is, but I come here, right? And all these other people are having the same issues, right? And so this, a lot of people tell us, like they love to find their tribe when they come here and it just makes a, a good experience for everybody. I mean, and I can speak to that. You know, I've 
met a lot of people here and that's been the best part of the conference. I mean, I've enjoyed a lot of the sessions and they've been great, but just making those friends and the opportunities, like last night, a couple of us, you know, some people, two of them I didn't really know before the conference. One I'd seen on LinkedIn, the other I'd never met. And four of us went out and just hung out for a few hours, walked around the city, had dinner, you know, that opportunity. And we talked a lot of FP&A and finance because we could all relate, right? And that opportunity, oh yeah, I've been through that before. I remember at one of the happy hours, I'd introduced these two people and one guy was from an oil major and the other one was the head of FP&A at a, at a, a startup, uh, an internet radio station sure. startup. And I just remember watching them walk down the hall and you know, nodding and everything like, oh yeah, you know, working, you know, working with management and getting them to understand, you know, they make a request and they don't, nobody, they don't really understand the impact of the request and the amount of hours and the time, right? They both had that experience, right? And that cross-pollinization of ideas is really fantastic. Totally agree. Well, we'll go ahead and end it there. I know you uh, heading back today and you have some time to enjoy Philly for a few more hours with, a, I think you said, a college friend. So yeah. enjoy that. And you know, I'm looking forward to next year's conference and I'm sure we'll be in touch again. So thank you, Brian. Appreciate you sharing a few minutes with me. My pleasure and loved meeting you in person after talking to you for so yeah, long. Yes, great. No, it was really, that was another person <laughs> I really enjoyed being able to meet, even if we've only got to talk for about five minutes. Because I know every time I've seen you, you've been running one place or another. Yep. It's been great to meet you and I've enjoyed it. So thank you. Likewise. Pleasure. My next guest is Christian Wittig. Christian is a leading expert in FPNA, having led teams at Unilever, Procter & Gamble, and Squarespace. He also runs the FPNA prep course. So we're here at FPNA today, the conference for AFP. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with the uh, conference so far? Sure. So it's my first time at, uh, at the AFP conference. And uh, yesterday I gave a speech together uh, with my good friend Paul Barnhurst, which <laughs> is what I heard this year as well, <laughs> somewhere. And um, we talked about how building trust enables effective business partnering, because as financial professional, you rely on getting information at a time when you can still do something about it. And sometimes that puts people in a vulnerable position because your financial analysis may say, oh, we have to stop the project. We have to, you know, we may, it may not work. So you have, they have to trust you to give you that information. And that was the talk, what the talk was about. Um, going into it, I didn't really know what to expect because I talked to other speakers before and they said you can expect between 500 and 200 people being there. When I saw the room, I was um, surprised by how big it is, but I didn't know if we'd be able to fill it. But uh, it all turned out well. The room was, as far as I could tell, almost packed, you know, over 120 people there. And um, it all worked out fine. Yeah, I would agree. The talk went well. I know I enjoyed presenting with you. If there was, you know, maybe one key takeaway from the presentation that you could share with our audience, what would that be? To me, the best way to build trust with your business partners is to extend it first, right? Trust them first. Show that you trust them, you know? And it may not be, maybe people sometimes don't, don't realize, you know, how to show that you trust people other than telling them all the time. And so in the talk, we talked about different ways to do that. For example, by making yourself a bit vulnerable, by admitting mistakes, talking about feedback you, you got, and talking about how you're working to implement it, because that shows that you're someone who sees feedback as data, you know, data that helps you to improve what, what, what you're doing. 
And uh, it's a great way to show that you trust people with you know, somewhat sensitive information. Um, and then from there, once you've established that trust, your relationships improve, which means that people are more likely to share information with you, which improves collaboration. And then FP&A and finance teams can do things that they, they couldn't do otherwise, like um, spotting trends before it's too late, you know, before the month end close. So then you can have a conversation about, okay, what can we do about this? How can we drive the business forward? And then your business partners will see you as a strategic partner, as someone who does want to do more than just cutting budgets and um, uh, measuring, you know, forecast accuracy. And then they'll trust you more, which means there's more better relationships, more collaboration, more you can do. And this is like a flywheel that just keeps spinning. Uh, and that's, that's really what was at the core of the talk. Yeah, I remember talking, you know, the flywheel, there was a slide that you shared about that and, you know, starting with trust. And I really like how you pointed out that it starts with extending trust to the business, showing that, look, we trust you. We believe in you. We're here to help you versus that adversarial where you're in there challenging them all the time. Like, okay, your guys' numbers are just wrong. Right. We've all we've all been in those meetings or probably been have done that before and it just doesn't work. So last question, shifting gears here, what would you offer as advice to someone about the conference? Like if they wanted to come, would you say it's you know worth it, good 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 experience for you? What would you say to people who haven't been here? So I was surprised by how well it's organized. You know, the information you get, the map is super, super helpful mm -hmm. because there's so much going on, right? There's yep. so many sessions, so many talks. Some of them happen in parallel. So you have to plan it beforehand. But um, if you do that, there's a lot you can, you can see. You can go to the exhibitor floor and learn about all the different software platforms that are uh, available. And you can learn from FP&A experts who, who come here and um, give their talks. I mean, yes, there is a large portion of um, treasury activities here, but the FP&A part keeps growing. They had fantastic sessions this time. And yeah, I would recommend people to check it out. I'd agree with you. I've really enjoyed it. You know, just came out of a talk by Microsoft around machine learning. It was just fascinating how, what they've done to improve their finance. Right. And it's always good to learn from big companies that have those resources that can do things that a small company can't. Right. You know? Yeah. So, well, I appreciate your time and just taking a few minutes with me and I'll let you get back to enjoying the conference. So thank you, Christian. Thank you, Paul. We will be right back. You know what it is like. 13 different spreadsheets emailed out to 23 different budget holders, multiple iterations, version control, errors, back and forth updates. You never really feel in control of the consolidation and collection process. Yep, I've been there. Stop, breathe. DataRails is the financial planning and analysis platform for Excel users. DataRails takes data from all your company's disparate sources. No organization is too complex, consolidating everything into one place, secured in the cloud. Now all your data finally talking to each other. Everything is automated back into your report in Excel. Cash flow, FX conversion, intercompany transactions, now automated and up to date. Drill down and variance analysis in seconds. Don't replace Excel. Embrace Excel. 
Turn your Excel into a lean, mean FPNA machine. Find out more at www.datarails.com. And now let's get back to our episode. The next person I spoke with is Chris Ortega. Chris is CEO of Fresh FPNA and is a fractional CFO, and he has had many high-profile roles in finance at a number of different companies. So Chris, how's AFP 2022 been for you so far? It's been amazing, man. And I think like the most amazing thing I've had so far here is just like the number of quality sessions, right? I mean, where we were, I was talking to so many attendees about this and just like the diversity of sessions, the diversity of topics, the diversity of content, just tremendous leaders. If you're accounting, finance, FP&A, treasury person, uh, this, this has been like almost like too many sessions where it's like feel overloaded. There's a certain time you want to go to like two or three different sessions. So, but overall, it's been really, really good. Great networking, great connections, and good to see people back at uh, big conferences. Yeah, this is the first conference I've been to in a long time, and it's good to see people back. And it's great to finally meet the famous Chris Oh Ortega, man, I fresh like- FPNA. I'm like, wow, I actually get to meet him today. I will mention I got to hear him speak today. So, you know, he he did awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your presentation? Yeah, yeah. So I talked a little bit about financial transformation. I had a, a 30 minute lunch session and just like walking people through the framework, right? Like the six pillars, people, process, uh, partnership, platform performance and profit optimization and just walking through people around it. What's important for them? Demystifying it, because I think a lot of finance organizations don't really know like the playbook and path to be able to do. And yeah, it was awesome seeing you in the front row. I was trying to find something to throw. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, it was great seeing you. You did a really good job. You bring the passion and I love that. Yeah. Anyone who sees you on LinkedIn and knows you knows you come with a lot of energy. And I think that's great. For sure. Sometimes finance can be very low key. Yeah. And it's nice to see somebody that has that passion. So I thought it was, thought it was great. What about you? Like, I, I mean, man, you haven't been to conferences. Like, how's it feel for you to be here? Like, yeah, it's been good. This has been a lot. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. You know, it was fun presenting. Yeah. Your topic was awesome. Business partnership like that. I mean, that was you. Your session was like literally one of the kickoff sessions. It was like you had the keynote and then you had the second yeah, keynote. We were, you and Christian. Yeah, we were first one in the morning Monday. So Monday, Christian yep. and I. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I uh, him and I chatted yesterday for a few minutes about that. So uh, changing subjects, I have a yeah. question for you, not related to the conference, but we're coming up on the end of the year, if right. you can believe it. Q4 already, almost November. Time is Holidays fine. are Time here. Time is fine, man. So two things. One, what's kind of your key learning for this year? And if you were to offer second, if you offer AFP people some advice, or just finance, FP&A people, as you call it, fin- financial partnership and advising, yeah. not planning and analysis. And you pointed at me. Thanks, Chris. Uh, if you're offering people advice for next year, yeah, like what to focus on, either what you're focusing on or what people should focus on, what would that be? Yeah. So uh, first part of your question, like the highlight from this year, I think like a people getting back, just all the different conferences and like thought leadership that I've done this year, just like having the community of people, right. And the community, like really excited to get back together. That's been like a key takeaway for me. And also on the the finance, FP&A, and CFO side, I meet a lot of people that are really open to this modernization aspect, right? Like this wave that we're in, this opportunity to leave a legacy, this opportunity to redefine what it means to be an FP&A finance or CFO professional, you see a lot of appetite towards that. So I think those are like my takeaways. Looking forward to next year, if there was like one place, like we have to get back to the people aspect of it. I mean, you talked about this in the partnership side of it, right? Like we have to get better connected inside the business and speaking the business's language. 
And I think to me, like really like Q1 being a very important quarter, right? Like that to me is going to be the definitive period about what organizations are going to do regarding the recession or everything else going on, right? Like you see people like finalizing a lot of their budgets. Q1 is going to be that justification of like, are we, do we decrease on spend? Do we do those certain things? So I think like that first Q1 is going to be like a real pivotal do we do we pivot on a lot of different strategies, whether that's people or business strategies, or do we continue to persevere what we have before? I think that to me is where I think Q1 a lot of people are going to be focused on. No, I agree, and I, I think I like what you said is you know there's really a pivotal time as far as transformation, using technology, right? I mean, as much as we all love Excel, it's not an enterprise platform application, right? Right, and companies need to realize there's a use case for it, even with an enterprise. Definitely, it doesn't go away. It's part of that. It's a key part of the tech stack. But we also need to look at leveraging whether it's ML, AI, you know, the different processes, the different tools that are out there, the good BI. There's so much great technology. Definitely. And, you know, it's becoming more and more affordable with cloud and even geared towards small businesses is finding the right opportunity. Right. Right. And it's being smart about it, because like you said in your presentation, you know, technology is an enabler. I hate when people think it's the solution. No. <laughs> That means you're going to waste a bunch of money. As you said, don't buy it if you think it's the solution. Just stop now and save your money. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's just, it's so true. We've all seen it. Where, yeah. oh yeah, this will solve our problems. And you implement it and okay, nothing changed. Definitely, definitely. So. And I think for me, you're, you're 100% right. And like, to me, it's about, um, yeah, there are laws of technologies, right? Whether it's budgeting and planning, scenario, workforce planning. Um, um, one of the things I took away from the conference is meeting all the different like AP, AR, like treasury mm -hmm. solutions, there are a prevalence of just like core technologies that finance should be leveraging. And I think like getting people to understand that that's not going to solve the problem. That's being meant to scale it. Exactly what you said. Like that to me is what I, I, I've done it. I've been in, you know, roles where I've made the mistake of thinking technology was going to solve all the partnership and people problems that we had. And I think when organizations start to realize that technology is meant to scale on those pillars that we just, like, you know, I mentioned in my session, that to me is where, where finance and FP&A and, and CFOs are going to win. I, I agreed. Realizing it's scaling and realizing transformation is a mindset. You know, and really what we're trying to do is evolve. It's an evolution is the process. Right. Right. And scaling. It's not about, oh, I just go through a transformation then my problems are solved. <laughs> yeah. If that, yeah, it doesn't happen in life that way either. No, 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 no. It's, you know, it's a like journey. a diet. We all try to go through a transformation. And if it's not a complete change, an evolution in your lifestyle, you just gain the weight back. Right. right? If you don't, like, I love that analogy. If you don't make it part of your everyday and like you're intentional about like monitoring and tracking and progressing towards it. Transformation is never, and I, I share this with clients, it's never an end point. It is merely a point of like a journey that you're gonna continue to evolve, you're gonna continue to develop, you're gonna continue to have wins, failures, and everything in between, uh, and failures too, right? So I think to me like that, that's the most important takeaway is like, this is a journey. We're all, and we're all at different places of the journey, right? You may have some organizations that are really far along, Irregardless of where you are, the most important thing is, is like starting the journey. Agreed. Well, thanks for your time. And we'll get to see how much they can take out the uh, <laughs> music yeah. that doubled in volume on us during the middle. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully they can hear it. It's just a concert that we got going yeah, on Yeah, I know. Right You'll get a concert with Chris. <laughs> you want to sing for us before we end? Uh, let me, what's my favorite? Uh, da, 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 da. I'm trying to find the beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finance, finance, finance. I don't know. I'll just make it <laughs> and on that note, we'll end. Yeah. Thank you. Paul, thank you so much, man. Love everything that you're doing with the FPNA guy. If you haven't already, make sure to follow Paul. He's a tremendous thought leader in the FPNA space. I love everything that you're doing. 
It's been a privilege and honor to meet you, bro. And uh, yeah, man, wish you nothing but great success and continued support, brother. Same here. I love what you're doing with Fresh FP&A and I love seeing your posts, just the energy you bring for the finance and accounting community. So keep, keep doing what you're doing and I'll say the same to you. People should follow you if they're not following you. So go find Chris Ortega on LinkedIn and click the, uh, click the button there and follow him. Awesome, thank you so much. Hector is Director of Finance at OCC, the world's largest equity derivatives clearing organization. Previously, he was an FP&A leader at Amtrak and BMO. Alrighty, so I have here with me Hector Rubikava from the event here at AFP 2020 Philly. So give me your first thoughts, Hector. How have you enjoyed the conference? First of all, this is my first time coming to an AFP conference, and it has by far super exceeded my expectations. Definitely having the opportunity to do an in-face kind of uh, engagement, get connecting with subject matter experts, kind of working on that continuous improvement mindset, right? A lot of organizations now are actually doing what they can so that we could stimulate, so we can motivate, entice people to basically disrupt the norm. And one way to do it, this is a very strategic vehicle to be able to give us the tools, the practices, and overall being able to take all that and convert to best fit approaches. So absolutely happy, very satisfied, and definitely looking forward to next year's. Great. No, I, I feel similar. It's been a great conference, you know, listening to the different speakers. And for me, one of the favorite things has been networking, you know, right? Getting to meet you in person. I've seen you on LinkedIn and getting to meet other people like Chris Ortega, Brian, Christian Wittig, Carl, you know, a lot of people that we see around LinkedIn. So what made, you, like, what made you decide to come? How did you decide to come to AFP? Well, first of all, I am an FPAC practitioner. I am part of the board of council for uh, AFP. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also part of the, um, the event planning for, for this conference. I'm very active with a lot of practitioners out there, constantly meeting with, uh, with Brian and a lot of subject matter experts like yourself. I'm a big fan of you. So what made me come is basically, again, just kind of, Having this opportunity, uh, as soon as I found out it was going to be in person, and the company actually, OCC, sponsored my travel, I basically pitched how it would actually bring value and motivated me to basically come in and uh, be able to find ways to take back to my team and how to focus on that value creation kind of life cycle. So that would, that's what really motivated me, just that appetite to continue learning, keep you know improving on our processes and our activities, and not just only focus on the output, but more Overall, looking at it from a framework step standpoint and, you know, becoming more effective and efficient on the stuff that we're doing so that we can not only deliver and exceed our financial expectations, but also from an operational standpoint, right? How do we become that business, you know, tactical partner? And that's what I wanted to hear from a lot of folks in here in this, and then on these kind of sessions that we had. And it has been extremely valuable for me. I love that. The extreme value, you know, tactical business partner. I like how you said that and being able to take that home and, you know, teach it to your team and, Learn and grow. So you mentioned you've done the FPNAC, the mm -hmm. certification. What made you decide to do the certification and how has it opened up opportunity for you? Maybe talk oh, a little bit about that. Absolutely. So, you know, I figured I'm a CPA as well, uh, certified public accountant. Mm -hmm. um, and since I've been in the field of FPNA for the past 16, 17 years, sure. I figured that one of the most credible, reputable, best in class certification within finance was FPAC. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, well, if I want to excel, if I want to learn new tools, new disruptive ways, mindsets, and connect with people, I should become an FPAC. 
certified member. So back in 2019, I decided to make a decision. It was a team effort because I convinced my wife and say, hey, listen, I'm going to have to disconnect for a bit and be able to prepare, study, plan, and, um, and became an FPAC. How has it opened uh, doors? Right away, as soon as I became a certified uh, FPAC, I started to basically take some of these creative ideas, innovative solutions, and started implementing back in uh, Amtrak organizations. So trying to basically come up with different sort of, uh, you know, ways so that we could create value. And that really opened, not only that it gave me credibility, it be, I started becoming more of a business partner, started getting, gaining buy-in, uh, trust from my internal stakeholders. And that also opened up doors with other organizations outside. And that's how I basically joined OCC. I became, my, my market value uh, became very strong and I was able to basically excel and, and, and be able to shoot for a higher position. That's great. So it definitely sounds like it's, it's paid off in a number of ways for Absolutely. You. Different ways. Good different to animals. hear is I'm uh, scheduled to take it next year. Oh, so cool. That's a lot. Let me that. know how it could help you out. We'll do that. So a couple other questions here for you. Won't take a ton of time. One I'm going to ask you that we got to get one person in this episode because every episode, if you listen to FPNA today, this is a question we ask. What's your favorite Excel function? Excel function? I like index match. I completely, I don't, not a big fan of VLOOKUPs. I, I like that. And I think there's an even a more enhanced feature now. I think it's called X. Yes, XLOOKUP. XLOOKUP. So, um, which is pretty similar. I think it's a little bit more agile. So, yes, anything that is going to facilitate and accelerate my processing, I'm a big fan. So, keep, you know, learning a couple of tricks and a couple, uh, you know, good ideas, things that I actually read and listen to from, you know, LinkedIn, like yourself and being able to apply it. Because if you don't apply, you're not going to remember it. Agree. It's, <laughs> we see tons of things. It's the actual, it only the learning happens in the application. Yep, exactly. Without it, it's just in one ear, out the other. And we're all guilty of it. But and, that applying makes a difference. And looking forward, what I'm going to be entertaining and honestly putting together are slicers. So I, I learned how to do them. What relearned, re, you know, rethinking, sure. relearning, mm-hmm. and because uh, I used to do them before, but now I want to be able to implement and put them together in, a, in, in some kind of a senior management reporting uh, deliverable. So more to come on that. Um, I'm going to be exploring that kind of avenue and hopefully keep adding value. You know. Well, I appreciate your time today, and Thank you, Paul. we'll go ahead and sign off and go back to the reception. Thank you. Have a great uh, rest of the uh, afternoon. Thanks. Yesterday, there were some great conference speaker events. So I attended Chris Ortega's event about the six P's of transformation. I attended Carl Seidman's event with uh, three other speakers where they talked about distributed finance and structure and how you uh, manage a finance team that has multiple locations. Talked a little bit about centers of excellence and gave a lot of great advice. And then at the start of the day yesterday, I attended a great session by Microsoft, which I'll share more about on LinkedIn as well. Microsoft made available during that session, and they've made it freely available as open source, the algorithms they use for forecasting. They call it FIN. They shared the the process they use, and they talked about how they've substantially improved their revenue. They use it for their business revenue, their consumer revenue. And they've even started using it for their real estate OPEX and shared how efficient they've become in augmenting their forecasting with AI, how the people can enter numbers themselves. They can see the uh, AI numbers. They're able to override them when it makes sense. But they found in general is the AI, the machine learning has been more accurate at predicting their forecast than the humans. And it was great to have them share that. I was probably... One of my two favorite 
events from yesterday's conference. And then at the end of the day, the final event was a keynote address by Adam Grant, who shared his thoughts from the book, Think Again. And he was fabulous, fabulous presenter, great stories as he talked about the importance of being a scientist, how we need to think and act like a scientist versus being a preacher or a politician or, you know, others like a prosecutor was the other one he shared. And talked about the importance of that, of being open-minded, of being able to rethink and change your views. Talked about the importance of having a disagreeable giver in your life. Somebody that will give it to you straight, that will help you grow and learn. I'm going to sign off for now, but be back later today with some more great interviews. All righty. So I'm here with Brian Malambo. The conference has just ended and I'm just going to chat with him for a few minutes about his experience at AFP. Maybe you can start with telling us where you're from. Uh, thanks, thanks, Paul. Uh, my name is Brian Malambo. Uh, I'm from Africa. I run a private equity firm called uh, Monte Capital Partnership, which is pretty much um, investing in assets across uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Great. You know, what brought you to AFP? Why did you come to this conference? Uh, firstly, I'm a member of the Association of Financial Professionals, and then also I had an interest in uh, in a number of things that that I'm doing, which are totally related to to my business, and also participating in uh, in, in the discussions at the at the, at the conference. So, was there a presentation that stuck out to you from this week, or maybe you know, kind of a key learning that you could share? Yeah, I mean, given the kind of business I do, and I've been in financial services for about 20 years now, uh, come you know, starting out in 2002, um, and over the years I've learned that obviously function, the issue of trust is uh, in, in business partnerships uh, is very, very important. My current business is Monte Capital Partnerships. Pretty much, um, I'm, I invest my money alongside other people's money, my clients. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, it's obviously a function of, um, you know, trust is a very big, uh, big part of, of, of getting that, getting that going. And it's not only from the, from my investors uh, side, but also the businesses in which I invest, the platform companies. Yeah, it's very important that um, there's that level of collaboration between our business, our funds, as well as the, the companies that we invest in. So everybody knows Brian was in the session. He was right in the front with uh, Christian Wittig and myself where we talked about trust. Exactly. I know you asked a couple questions there of how do you build that trust with you know, the partner organizations and make sure there's that trust relationship. And it's so critical in business and it's a really hard thing for finance. You know, often finance is kind of viewed as that organization that's back supporting things and is going to say no to everything. So people are like, wait, I don't want to deal with finance. Exactly, exactly. What have you found's worked for you in your portfolio companies? How's that progress been coming on you know, making sure that trust is there between the business and finance? I think a couple of things, uh, but I think one, one thing that stands out uh, for me is the, is the transparency between myself, my, my business and the, and, and the other uh, companies. We can do so many things. Trust is earned and spelled over a period of time. But obviously the issue and the ability of someone to come clean and uh, deliver the good news, as, as uh, the bad news as much as they deliver the good news, that is a key factor that contributes significantly to, the, to, 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 to building uh, trust. If, uh, for instance, my accountant messes up, messes up the, the numbers, give me a report, and then an hour later they discover that they realize that the, they made a mistake, it's important that at that point, immediately, bring mm -hmm. that to my attention uh, rather than wait for me to figure it out or even if they think I'm not going to figure it out. So if someone does that, they come clean uh, without having to wait to be reminded or to be found out, uh, you know, you build trust in that, in that sense. And same thing goes to companies are investing in. If there's something that is going on and if they anticipate that something's going to go wrong, they are going to perform 
uh, worse than they had uh, projected and communicated. The best is for them to raise an alate at that point and then, you know, the conversation then changes to improve the quality of the relationship and the trust uh, develops. I totally agree. Just, you know, put everything out on the table, be honest. Nobody ever benefits when you hide anything. Absolutely. Rarely ever will you fire somebody for making a mistake. It's almost always for trying to cover it up or not being honest or forthcoming about it, right? Because I love, I'll tell this story, I think I told it before, um, the CEO of IBM, this guy had made a $10 million mistake. This is back, I want to say, in the 70s. And he walked in, had a meeting with them, and he goes, all right, I'll pack my bags. He's like, why? He goes, he's like, because you're firing me. He's like, I just paid for a $10 million mistake. Why would I fire you now? You just had a learning experience. Like, you're not going to do that again. I'm not going to go through that with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I love that example because sometimes we think, oh, we screwed up, but... You know, celebrating those mistakes and learning to grow and develop trust is a process. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that um, that has been very important uh, for is the function of diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, just before I set up my um, you know Monte Capital partnership, I came I came came together with uh, with other colleagues uh, that I invited when I came up with the idea. I had initially set up a company called Longhorn Capital, mm-hmm. uh, which is it's also a private uh, equity firm, but it's just I invest my own assets in there, and then sure. it's now a holding company of several other businesses, which in which I've invested with other people. But obviously now with uh, with Monte Capital, we've gone in different places. We dealing with people from different and diverse backgrounds, so the issue of culture then comes into play. And mm-hmm. uh, you know that those are discussions we had at the conference, and I shared a lot about um, uh, embracing diversity, inclus- inclusivity, and uh, just ensuring that D, E, and I is, uh, is brought into context. And, and I was very happy to have this conversation with, the, with, uh, uh, with uh, Masoni from Amazon. It was a great, great conversation. And everybody was very, very happy to, to hear that. And also to get to learn about how others are embracing diversity, how they're incorporating that into in the ESG, in the investment processes, is, um, is just uh, a phenomenal thing. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate it. Well, I just want to thank you for your time and just taking a few minutes with us today. I really enjoyed getting to meet you here at the conference and learning a little about you. So thanks again, Brian, for chatting with me for a few minutes. Yeah, thank you, Paul, for having me on this podcast. Mario is Financial Director Managing Budgeting, Forecasting, and Analysis at the EW Scripps Company and has held many senior FP&A roles in his career. So Mario, tell me what brought you to the conference. Why'd you come? I've been nine times now, actually. Every year since 2014, I received the FPAC certification in 2014. And well, you need continuing education credits to keep it active. And I, I figured out that you can knock out all of your yearly required uh, credits with just coming to this one conference. So I was like, Sounds like a good idea. So that's what brought me the first year to the conference. And then I actually at the conference, I realized how much you could actually enjoy the sessions in person, really good topics that they cover. And you know, meeting vendors and getting to pick their brain on what they have as new features or what's coming down the pipeline, because then maybe go back to the office and pitch those ideas. So those were some of the first things that brought me in and why I enjoyed it and kept coming back. But then my absolute favorite is kind of like how I met you mm-hmm. and got to hang out and talk. It's the networking, right? And then you, now you have new relationships 
again, bounce ideas off each other. Well, what are you guys doing? How did you do this? And again, you bring that back and actually put it into action at the office. So Yeah, no, it was great meeting you. Know, just so our guests know here, Mario and a couple of us went out last night, had dinner, and we went and did the Rocky run. You That's know, right. Saw the, the Rocky statue from the movie and a few other fun things like that. Saw the city. So I, I agree with you. The networking's great. So can you just for a minute maybe tell our audience what you do in FP&A, kind of what your job is, what, yeah. you, what your role is? So I'm a director of finance for the EW Scripps company. I support the networks division. So if anyone knows Ion Television, that's our bread and butter network. And then we have eight other television networks. And so I do budgeting and forecasting. So that kind of normal stuff that you would think of in FP&A. I mainly support revenue. And then I do have full P&L though on all of our entertainment networks with like you know, programming costs to program it and paying for Nielsen costs for ratings, all those big kind of expenses. But then also about 80% of my time is spent on, hey, should we do this new line of business? Or we have this new product idea that we might want to launch? Or hey, should we buy this company? So I'm spending lots of time modeling different scenarios like that. And it's perfect on the session we just left on making decisions on those big projects. And so that's what I, I spend most of my time on. Yeah, and so everybody's aware of the session we just left was Carl Seidman. He walked through how to value a project and talked about, you know, the balance between the financial and the non-financial and how the work you want to do up front to make sure you you know what's going on and you have a good idea what it's going to take to really make it profitable versus, ah, well, this sounds good. We'll give it a try and then getting yourself in trouble, right? Absolutely. So did you have a favorite session from this conference or maybe just one or two kind of key takeaways you've you've yeah. taken from the conference? I'm really interested in the AI and machine learning and I've been asking lots of questions about that, that, you know, walking around on the exhibit hall talking to vendors about it, mm -hmm. going to every session I saw that had that as a topic because there yep. was more than one, talked about it at dinner Monday night. We talked about it some last night, right? And it's, that's been my, my favorite, you know, so I guess there was the session with Microsoft yep. talking about machine learning. So that I found really interesting, probably my overall favorite session, but all the sessions I went to were, were great. So, but yeah, definitely that one was my favorite because that's where I... I want to learn as much about that as I can because I'm definitely, I've never done it. I'm mm -hmm. not an expert in it and I want to yep. learn about that and ideally go get approval to start doing that because that's where I want to free up my time to spend more time doing the analysis, less time creating the models and everything like that that I do because it takes time to do that, to do it right. You know, I agree with you. One of my probably favorite sessions as well, maybe my favorite was the machine learning, you know, the Microsoft one. They talked about Finn. And they've made it open source. And you know, I did a recap. I did a couple minute recap this morning of the conference. And I mentioned that about yesterday because oh, I just thought it was a really good session. So we're kind of on the same page. You know, I was like, yeah, I might have to go look into that a little bit. Anything else you would add from the conference? What would you tell people who are considering coming? If you're in FP&A, Treasury, anything in finance, really, it's a great place to come for networking, learning. You should always be learning, right? If you're not learning, then you're actually going backwards, you know? So absolutely, you should come next year. It's going to be in San Diego, amazing location, beautiful city, great weather. And, you know, think about the certifications, right? So it's a great place to come if you're thinking about either of their certifications. Also, they have classes on it. You can talk to people about it. And um, even if you're, say, you're CPA and you're not interested in another certification, you get CPE credits for everything. So mm -hmm. again, it's just a great place to get that continuing education credits and network and just have a good time. 
And another great way to get CPE credits is by listening to our podcast and asking a couple questions. There so you, you gave go. me a perfect tagline nice. to remind the great audience. Lead in. <laughs> so thank you for taking a few minutes, Mario. I'll let you get back to the conference, yeah, but yeah. enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Paul Barnhurst here again to wrap up the AFP 2020 Philadelphia special episode. First time at the conference, great experience. Brian Lapidus and the people at AFP did an awesome job. Lots of people there, both treasury and finance. A lot of great interviews we had. We interviewed six, seven people. I talked a little bit myself, you know, just some final thoughts. A lot of great sessions. And I love the sessions, but what I found most valuable from the conference was networking and learning, getting to meet others you know, for the first time, getting to meet people like Carl Seidman, Chris Ortega, Christian Wittig, Brian Lapidus, Hector, Ben Juan, Mario Vasquez, Brian Malambo, and others, Daniela from Brazil. Just meeting these people, getting to learn a little bit about them and about why they love finance and watching them get excited for different sessions and seeing the things they can take back to their companies. So I really encourage you, if you're on the fence or deciding, hey, should I attend AFP or should I do the FP&A certification? As you listen to this episode, think about it. It might be worth the time, either the certification or the conference or both. If you have any questions about the certification, feel free to reach out to me and hopefully next year, I'll get to spend some time networking with you at the conference. So I'm gonna go ahead and sign off, but Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Thank you.